Podcasting from Dallas, Texas, this is Elevate to Accelerate, where we discuss everything selling, and I mean everything. I'm Wayne Rogers, and I've been in sales my whole life, as a customer, and for the last 29 years as a profession. I've sold everything from hay to shoes to biopharmaceuticals, and along the way I've learned that the most important thing in selling is helping clients achieve their goals. Joining the podcast is Dr. Gary McLean. Dr. McLean is a PhD, is a psychotherapist, patient advocate, and author specializing in helping clients deal with the emotional impact of chronic and life-threatening illnesses, as well as their families and professional caregivers. He writes articles for healthcare publications, websites, and speaks at events. He conducts workshops on living with chronic conditions, chronic communication, and he maintains a website, www.justgotdiagnosed.com. So prepare to dynamically elevate your performance. It was 2001 and I had an appointment at my favorite account, Dallas Children's Medical Center. Just outside the pharmacy was a row of chairs. I was early, so I sat to collect my thoughts, go over my plan for the director of pharmacy, John Torville, when a lady set one chair over for me. As I glanced up to notice, she looked over and asked if I was a pharmaceutical rep. You know, that little voice in my head started talking as typically this question was followed either by asking me a medical questions, which of course I knew nothing about, or asking me why prescriptions were so expensive. As I braced inside for the question, ensuring I remained confident on the outside, the lady began to speak. The words were simply an emotional and heartfelt thank you. My guard, now down, I asked what for. She was a mother. Her child was a patient at the hospital and was about to be released. But the medication that her child needs to be on to stay alive was thousands of dollars every month. And she had just got the news that the manufacturer was going to ensure her child had the medication. Now, I did not work for that company, and it was clear she did not care. Where once was fear concerned thinking of what sacrifices she would have to make was instantly replaced by relief, joy, and hope, and all that mattered to her was her child was gonna be okay. I have never forgot her simple words. Well, Gary, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm really excited about this one too. And I have been cheating quite a bit. I've been really reading your website and I've just learned so much from it and from you, what I'm curious about is this, is what inspired you to become interested in this chronic patient's journey? You know, I've always been interested in health. And when I was, uh, when I finished my PhD for a while, I was, uh, I worked in the drug abuse program. Then I moved over and I was actually a health educator in the schools for a while, which I enjoyed. And then I decided to take a little detour and I worked in business for many years. I, I, I did training and moved into marketing and Ultimately, I worked in an ad agency and done some market research, qualitative research. I love focus groups, interviews, and they started having me pitch, and I worked on pitching pharma accounts, and it was just a revelation to me. I just loved working in, in the pharmaceutical industry. I loved the psychology, the attention to what was going on with patients and understanding them. I just ate it up. I just loved it, and so I left advertising and went into doing market research for pharma companies. I worked for a couple small companies and then I 
started my own business and I was a focus group moderator and worked mostly in the pharma industry. I had a couple of uh, hospitals also that I worked with. What's important here is that I was finding would interview a patient or I'd have them in a focus group and they would wait for me in the hallway and they would say, you know, nobody ever asked me about my feelings and my doctor doesn't have time and my family doesn't want to talk about it. Nobody ever asked me about my emotions and thank you so much. I just appreciate this so much. And I started feeling a calling that this is what I needed to be doing. I got some clinical training, more clinical training to get my New York license and did more education. And in 2006, I got my license so I could be back to being a therapist. I bookended my life, my website around the same time, but I just really fell in love with the idea of working with patients and caregivers and, and chronic conditions. I just really, just really love working with uh, clients in that situation. Well, it, it, you exude that, by the way, and you are an example of the adage, do what you love and you'll never work another day in your life. And I just enjoy getting to know you because that's what comes across to me, too, is like this is a true passion of, of yours. And you're on a journey, you know, with AstroGenica, trying to be more and more patient centric and us to understand that patient's journey. And I imagine that while each patient's journey is unique and has some unique traits, Depending on what do you see are the commonalities about dealing with any chronic disease? It's a really good question. Quite a few years ago, before I became a therapist again, I was doing some qualitative research for a large cancer center, and they asked me to do a lot of interviews with patients and caregivers on how they made the decision to come to that specific treatment center. What was going on in the patient's mind? How did they, how did they deal with their diagnosis from the moment they got it until they started making medication and treatment decisions. I lo was looking at all these interviews. I did tons of them. And I realized that when we react to stress, we react in flight, fight, or freeze. It was psychology 101. And uh, when I started fitting this into that framework, it just, it all really came together. It was, uh, what I find is that when someone does receive that diagnosis, there's an initial shock, which may last an hour, it may last a week, or it may last a long time, um, depending on the person. And there's a roller coaster of emotions, fear, anger, sadness, disappointment. And they, people in, with, who have been diagnosed, they often, uh, patients often have asked the why me question. There's no answer to that, but I think it's part of the process of, of accepting and dealing with, with the emotions. Uh, and then other things come up there, learning to communicate with the healthcare care establishment, uh, which is like entering another culture, right? They don't dress like us. They don't look like us. There's, it's a different language. I think that's a, a big uh, process for, for patients and their families. I think making treatment decisions, depending on the condition, you may have to be involved in making some of your own treatment decisions. I think disclosure is a big issue also and depending on the condition adjusting to the regimen what i find is that people in flight back to flight fight or freeze kind of kind of fall apart emotionally they sort of fall into their emotions they trouble making rational decisions they may fall in love with the first doctor who shows up because they, they they're just so overcome emotionally that they can't make decisions other other patients may go into freeze they just shut down and, and they deny their emotions, they deny the diagnosis, and they just wait until their family members step in and make the decisions for them. They're just frozen. 
they may make, wow. you know, they, they, they may make some rational decisions that are, they're not good decisions because they're not balanced by emotions. And I think the point is balancing emotions and rational mind. Fighters are able to do that. They're aware of their emotions. They feel their emotions and information. They make more rational decisions. Uh, a client, a patient, excuse me, once said to me that I was interviewing, she was a fighter and she said, when I got this diagnosis, I said to myself, I'm gonna stop this beast. And to me, that was that, that's a fighter. Yeah, beast. absolutely. I'm gonna take a guess that she did, you know, with that kind of attitude about it. And, and that's what I think it takes for certain diseases. It makes me think that fact here recently, and this was uh, by Dr. Uh, Dugoff, sorry, John Hopkins. And what she showed that for each chronic condition that we add, like, you know, so typically we start with one, but then our kidneys fail and we lead to another one and our liver fails and it leads to another one that we add after the age of 67, it takes 1.8 years off our lifespan, which was kind of put it into perspective to me, especially as I'm getting older too myself. At one point in one of the articles that I read from yours, you actually talked about how the disease affects or how they think it's gonna affect their children. Maybe you could help us describe more what they talk about when they wonder how this is gonna affect their children. Yeah, that's a, that's a really important issue for parents. And regardless of, of, the, of the condition, parents really go through a lot of questioning and, and, and fear around what this means for their children. And what I always say to people who come to me to talk about this, whether they're caregivers or, or patients themselves, is that when one individual in the home is diagnosed, everybody in the household shares that diagnosis in some way and wandering around in the room is the elephant and it's called helplessness, catastrophic condition. It's an unwanted house guest. You know, they move in and they want breakfast in bed and they dictate what's on TV and everything has to revolve around them and we didn't invite you. What are you doing here? I think there's that sense of helplessness that I think families really need to talk about and acknowledge. I think the why me becomes why us. And if there are children at home, I think this impacts everything. It impacts finances, um, co-payments, deductibles, maybe some time off work. It's whether you can take a vacation or not, where you can go, what you can do. Kids may have to help out more at home. Kids, other kids at school may know that they have a parent with a condition and ask them about it or talk about it. Dad may have bad days. Kids have to learn how to cope with that. I think there's fear about the future. Parents are worried about their kids and whether they can really be there for their kids. They worry uh, when I have a bad day and I have to miss uh, a ballet performance, PTA meeting, doing to my child and, and how is that affecting them? Worried about, you know, can I okay in the future? Uh, you know, will I be able to hold up, you know, what parents have to, do, have to deal with as kids get older and, and to really be there worry about that. Can I really be there? Will I be okay and parent that my kids need to be? And then sometimes it also raises questions about, is this genetic as well? Not only- I never would have thought about that, um, uh, but that's probably a, like, are my kids going to get this? Um, absolutely. Not only am I affecting their life now, but when they're adults, you know, will I affect their lives later on as well? Absolutely. Wow. I mean, that's, that's some pretty powerful stuff there because they're dealing with it themselves. At the same time, they're looking at it could be a spouse, a, their parent, a friend, and their kids too going, 
what am I doing to you guys? How am I affecting you guys too? And, and I love that statement about when it's diagnosed, everyone shares it. It really affects the entire support system too, because people have to, their lives also. I, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, I've had experiences, mostly traveling, you know, I used to do a lot of, a lot more traveling in the air. Um, and I'd be in airports and of course go into the bathroom and there'd be somebody there testing their blood sugar maybe, or you would see the person carrying around their oxygen bottle. And it made me think, especially as I was reading another one of your articles, and it talks about a way that a patient can better deal with this disease is to look at their responsibilities of the disease, not necessarily as a handicap, but rather as a feature. That was so powerful to me, but, but what do you mean by this? Well, I, I, what I always encourage my, uh, my, my clients to do is to not look at this as defining them. You know, this condition doesn't have to, have to define them. And, and I think it's just really important to, to keep that in mind. That in mind, it's a, it's sure, and sure, your your day starts with taking that pill, or your day may start with uh, you know checking your blood, but it's it's an aspect of you. It's it's a feature of who you are, but it doesn't have to define you. I'll give you an an example. But sometimes I'll, I have a new client, and. Um, door and, and, and say hi and they would say hi I'm HIV or hi I'm diabetic and, and I'll say hi I'm Gary and and I'll say you know you're a lot of things but you have a name it's not H I suspect it's not HIV it does have a ring to it but I suspect that's not your name and we usually make a joke on it but I say you know let's start here you're, you're not diabetic you 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 may be lips but it's you, your identity is more than whether you more than this diagnosis of it, That's uh, something that, that we talk about a lot is we can talk about patients or we can talk about people living with the disease. And, and when we talk about turns into lab values and symptoms, but we talk about persons or people turns into fear or anger or anxiety or financial fear. And that's really what they're feeling and what they're and kind of what you kind of started with. Nobody's asked me how I feel about that. They talk about my lab values, but not how I feel about this disease least question that's on my okay then what is common misperception then about how patients feel they're being viewed by others that maybe you could deep for the audience interesting conversation it's also i think a very uh, kind of a sad conversation to be honest with you i've had a lot of common misperceptions is it is that to pay something to cause it that they are somehow responsible um, there, are, of course, there are obvious examples. Someone who's HIV positive, type two diabetes, lung cancer, automatically, the other person's mind goes to, oh, what did you do to cause that, or where did you slip up, or whatever. Actually, have conversations around conditions like that where clients do a lot of self-blaming. But also, I think think that often there's a first reaction. And I often find this in discussion, somebody will tell me, you know, a friend of mine was just diagnosed with, and, you know, I'm wondering what they could have done over the years. I think it's because of helplessness, again. And I think the other, other people want to find a reason so that they can also reason that it won't happen to them. Gotcha. We, want, we want to understand why did this happen to you so that I make sure it doesn't happen to me. You know, it's, it sounds harsh, but I think it's just human nature. We don't do well with uncertainty. So if I can find out the reason for that, 
maybe I can make sure I'm not eating that or I'm eating less of this or I'm doing more of this or avoiding that so I don't have to deal with it. We don't like bad things. We don't want to think about bad things. We want to avoid them. And that can come as, as not being very supportive of someone who has been diagnosed with a, with a, with a chronic. You know, what I find is life is random. You know, we don't know why things happen. And I make it very clear, I don't blame anybody for the way that they feel. Things happen, we, we get diagnosed. Let's move forward. Let's pick it up where we are now and look at how you, how you can help yourself, things you can do for yourself. Let's take it where we are. Life happens, let's pick it up from there and, and move forward. Let's focus on the future, how to help you take good care of yourself emotionally, spiritually, um, also, I, I have clients tell me that, that uh, other people are lazy. You know, you're probably not taking good care of yourself, or you didn't, and this is how it happened. Or as, as uh, entitled, well, you're just trying to get out of work, or you're just trying to take you know, slack off. You know, that, you know, you're, you're using this as an excuse, you know, for example, or, you're, or you're t maybe you're taking your medications, but you know, what else are you doing? So you know, people okay. often are harshly judged you know, and sometimes what comes out as I'm just trying to help you comes out as judgment. Yeah, I could see that. And I've probably been guilty of that. Somebody tells me something I'm like, what happened or how, you know, and they don't necessarily know that answer. But I didn't realize maybe I was making them feel guilty by being curious, but in, curious in a, in a there's a better way to be curious or a better way to be helpful, probably. And, and I, I think is supporting people. We, we could learn a lot uh, also. Um, and, and speaking of communicating with patients, I love this section on your website titled uh, Chronic Communication. It's, it's catchy and it, and it was sections of it. And one of them is focused on talking to doctors. So in your opinion, typically does a patient back from discussing with their doctor when it comes to chronic diseases? You know, I just want to mention really quick, I, 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 um, I love writing about communication and, and I think about it a lot. I talk about it a lot. I talk a lot about how to have a difficult conversation, you know, for example, for example. And when I when I posted on, on websites when when uh, discussion and when people can respond, I find that any article I write about communicating with physicians just gets all kinds of responses. I think this is something patients really deal with and, and for better or worse, they have good stories and not so good stories, but they're it's a constant issue for patients is, is communicating effectively with their with their doctor. It's a whole it's a whole I find that patients often hold back from their doctors and they tell me they do out of fear of being scolded or judged. If they feel they're being they might pursue symptoms that are evidence of worsening of their condition or a new condition. So they're, they're afraid, you know, I, I messed up on my self-care this week. I didn't follow the diet like I should have. That's why my, and that's why a spike in blood sugar this week, for example. Or um, my condition's getting worse, or there might be something new. So there's a fear factor there as well, kind of denial as well. And sometimes out of that desire to please their doctor, they may not be as honest as they need to be. So not honest about their lack of adherence you know, to lifestyle adjustments and diet activity or taking medication as prescribed. And again, they don't want to disappoint or frustrate their, their doctor. 
you know, some physicians have kind of contributed to this because they're not always very sensitive to the challenges their patients are facing. Some doctors are very supportive and very kind and really try to encourage open discussion. Others, maybe because they're busy or they're just, they're, they're concerned, maybe the patient comes out with scolding. You know, look, I'm just trying to help you. You, know, you got to do your part, and the patient then feels scolded as a result. And again, the denial, not wanting to, again, open up in a box of, of, of a new condition. What I always say is be upfront with your doctor. Team up with your doctor, your healthcare provider. Help them to, to, to do their job. And it's, you know, it's better to know than not to know. If there is something else going on, help your doctor to find it out as soon as possible. You know, don't wait. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I could see how that creates either misdiagnosis or lack of the disease is progressing because they don't want it to progress. So if, if, if I just don't talk about it, it won't progress and he won't prescribe something else or, you know, increase my treatment. And, and I can see that being a real problem. That, that's pretty insightful. Um, okay, so I'm going to use of a cells specialist. You, you get to work for imaginary for AstraZeneca for a day. And, um, you know, with your perspective and everything you know about this, what, what, if you got to talk to physicians, what is one or two things that you would share about that patient journey that you think would get that healthcare professional's attention? Well, first, I just want to say I have a lot of respect for, uh, for reps. And my doctor acquaintances, friends always tell me that I really rely on my pharma reps to keep me up to date about what's new, what's coming, and how to prescribe best practices. They all tell me I really count on my rep because I don't have time to stay on top of this. I look forward to the rep coming in to keeping me posted. So I just wanna throw that out there. And again, I feel like I got my start in the pharmaceutical industry myself from the work that I was doing. So a lot of respect here. What I do here is, and again, I'm a mental health professional, so I'm all about emotions, but when I talk to physicians, they often tell me that it's not just physical symptoms that they're dealing with, but they're dealing with adherence and helping patients to stay on the, on the road, to stay on the path to help them to be adherent. And the medication obviously is addressing the symptoms, but I think physicians would also benefit potentially from more discussion about best practices and helping clients to be adherent and how to answer questions when, when, uh, when patients have side uh, concerns about sex and you know, how patients for side effects that they may experience. It's interesting, some of my clients will tell me, you know, I went on this drug and the doctor didn't mention one side effect and then I had 10 of them and I thought my world was falling apart. And others, other sectors went through the the, the uh, side effects to the point that I'm starting to be afraid of which ones I might have. There's a balance, yeah. Yeah. That is, you know. But I do find that my my physician, I I how do I know how the some of the issues that come up around how to help patients maintain adherence, how to keep them on the path, how to work with them, where where to send them to help them with diet and exercise and things like that. You know, again, we're in a managed care world. And, and doctors, physicians, they, they don't have time to be an emotional support. 
not really. They have a little time and they be kind and friendly, but you know, they, they can provide clients with because they have patients with because they have to move on to the next to the next room, you know, and get one. So, you know, what what I think is just helping talking to the issue of adherence and maybe giving physicians advice. By the way, what we have found, clients don't like this side effect, but here's what's been helpful. And here's what clients have, or patients have been. I use client and patient interchangeably. Right, right. What patients have found very helpful uh, to help them stay on to stay on the on the path. And I think you know, I think that that might help to look at the at the at the physical side, but also at the psychology side. You know, physicians tell me the, the drugs work, and the side effects maybe are annoying, but the side effects are fine. But still, my patients end up not adhering to what has to go with it. How can I help them to do that? What are some you know, what are some quick ideas that I could use to help them stay on that? Yeah, I know I heard a lot of good things there. You know, it's kind of almost like that holistic approach. It's, yeah, medication, but also dealing with the psychology of it, but also dealing with who else can help you with diet, uh, lifestyle changes, because as a physician, they don't have time to manage every part of it. You've got, you've got to build, you got to help that patient build their team and that they feel comfortable in so they can, back to our earlier question, share the information so that everyone it's so powerful and it makes a lot of sense um actually you know this actually feels like a good time to end that's a pretty powerful um, um response right there and I, I i'm not joking when i say i have a, a page of notes and it also kind of started with what i can absolutely feel is your passion for patients and how you talk about a lot of this is psychology 101 that fight fight or freeze mentality and how patients re react to that. And I'm probably going to definitely take away your patient quote here, which is I'm going to stop this piece. And I can just actually feel her saying that. And I, I was almost scared to ask the question if, that she did, but I felt like the, if that's got to have a, uh, a positive ending, and it, and it did. I'm so glad it did. That would have went bad, right? Um, and then when you talked about the fear that they have in communicating with their physician, so I hold back on symptoms. I hold back on side effects. I hold back on things because I'm going to either get scolded or judged. That was pretty powerful for me, but how that could hold up the treatment progress um, because I'm, my disease is progressing, but my treatment doesn't. So I'm getting worse. And actually I compound how, how much, how fast I get worse because I'm not communicating responsibly. And um, it, it, really is, I think it's going to be helpful. It's helpful for me, I know, and I think helpful for, for all of our listeners to really kind of see and, and move closer to the patient's point of view. So from the bottom of my heart, I just want to thank you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Certainly challenged my thinking on patient centricity. And imagine anyone listening felt that too. We have to ask ourselves, are our cells interactions centered on the patient or are we being patient-centric? Thanks for listening to Elevate to Accelerate. If you like what you've heard today, put a few of your learnings into practice to accelerate your performance. Until next time, have a great time changing the world.